0: Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I have some good news. Together, we have been able to pay $500 towards somebody's infertility debt. You guys know life after miscarriage can be quite expensive. If that's a DNC, infertility treatments, IVF, adoption... Testing, you name it, we've all probably felt some sort of financial burden in this whole life after miscarriage. So, in this episode, I have dropped links to our Lamb Fam merch sweatshirts, t shirts, tank tops. 100% of the profit goes towards these $500 life after miscarriage giveaways, and we'll continue to do so. So, go grab yourself some merch, take some pictures, share it on Instagram, and let's continue to support the Lamb Fam. I love you guys so much. I literally could not do this without you. So, thank you. Hello, everyone. We have Megan Clark on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her and her journey. Megan, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you like with your story.
1: All right. Thanks, Shelly, for having me. Um, it's kind of surreal to uh, be sharing my story on this podcast um, since I've been listening for quite a while now. So um I'll just jump right in. Um, so my fiance, Sean, and I, um, we've been together since um, May of 2014. Um, he has three girls from another relationship, um, so I'm a bonus mom, and um, we actually conceived our son um, in September of 2014, so needless to say, he was a surprise and uh, came um, very easily. I um, had a very, um, a very easy pregnancy with him. No issues. Um, had him by C-section. And actually today is his fifth birthday. So I thought it was kind of fitting to schedule this podcast. Oh,
0: no way. Happy, tell him happy birthday. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, so he's five today. Uh, so he was born May of 2015. And after I had him, I didn't even think about having another baby at all, you know, at that time. So I had had an IUD put in, uh, and then when he was two, so May of 2017, we decided, you know, Hey, you know, he's two, let's get the IUD out, let's try. And maybe we'll have another baby by the time he's three. So I got my IUD taken out in July of 2017 And I had downloaded, you know, the apps like we all do to try and track things. I never really had any issues with my period before. um, So I kind of wasn't expecting any issues after the IUD was taken out. And there really wasn't. So I, you know, got my period and tracked things. And, you know, months went on and we were trying and nothing was happening. And each month was the disappointment of a negative test. And, you know, you kind of think in your head, oh, it'd be really cool to have a baby this month, or it'd be really nice to have a baby this month, and you kind of plan in your mind what you hope would be, Um, and time just kept ticking, and um, kind of um, another part of the story is that I'm actually going to be 42 this year, so we're a little bit older in the, in the journey of things, so of course, um, time starts ticking away and I remember when I went to see my my OBGYN for just like an annual follow-up and he said oh you should just go right to IVF don't even waste your time trying naturally just go right to IVF and I was like I was kind of like thought he had kind of a bad attitude about it and I was like no like I we don't need it because we conceived our son so easily um So I didn't heed his advice, Um, and again, we just kept trying, and then it was about October of 2018 when I was kind of like, you know, maybe maybe we should go to another specialist and just to see if there's something wrong. You know, let's just go and just see what they have to say, maybe get some blood work or something, and just to make sure that things were working correctly. So I made an appointment um, with my reproductive endocrinologist. I was able to get in to see her in November of 2018. And uh, it was very strange because the, the, day, the night before my appointment with her, I was expecting my period and I had not gotten it yet. So I was like, okay, I'll just take a test. So I took one of the cheapy tests and it was negative. And then I threw it in the trash. And then the next day, I don't know why I decided to pick it up and look at it, but I picked it up and I looked at it and it looked like there was a line, you know, and we all kind of fool ourselves into thinking it could be positive. You hold it up to the light, you look at it, you know, this way and that way and try and in your mind, make it look like it's a positive. And it really did look positive. So I don't know, you know, if it looked like it could be an evaporation line, but I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like, could I really be pregnant before even getting to the specialist? So I think I had to work that day um, and I left work to go to the uh, appointment. And so I, I met her and I was like, you know, I took a test last night. I think it might be positive. And she's like, okay, well, you know, let's do one of the little urine tests here in the office while you're here. So we did. And. We're sitting at her desk and we're just chit chatting and the test came up positive. And I was like, I'm starting to cry. I'm like, I can't believe that this is actually happening. Like I'm here to see you because I think we're having trouble conceiving. And now I've got a positive pregnancy test. Like I just couldn't believe it. So, you know, we were talking and she's, you know, telling me how she wants to kind of move, proceed forward. And I looked back down at the test And that second line seemed to have like drifted off of the test. Like it had just gone away. And I was like, you know, this test, it's not positive anymore. And she was, she, she didn't know what was going on. And she's like, well, let's do another test. So I did another urine test, you know, the little cheapy tests. um, And the same thing happened. Like the line came up and then it just kind of like drifted off of the the test area, so I was like, you know, the the medical assistant was was stumped, and I was stumped, and the doctor was stumped, and she's like, well, you know, the only way to really put this to rest is to um, just do a blood test. So we did the blood test. I went home. Um, they called me later in the day and said, you know, I'm sorry, your test was negative. It must have been like a faulty batch of tests or something because it really looked positive, but as it sat there, it just it was negative. So. I was disappointed, Um, but then we were kind of like able to move forward um, with trying to figure out why it was taking us so long to conceive. So, the first week of December, uh, so this was December of 2018, first week of December, had all the blood work done, um, had the saline sonogram done to check for polyps, and that came back fine. Um, Sean had his sperm tested, and that all came back fine. Um, And then I also had the H. HSG done, uh, and that all was fine. So, all of my workup was fine. My tubes weren't blocked. I had no polyps. All my blood work was fine. I had no problems with my thyroid. Um, So, they were like, you know, there's really nothing to pinpoint why you're not able to conceive. So, we, you know, call this unexplained infertility. So, and they had suggested that we just move forward to getting an IUI done, because that was kind of the quickest way to get us pregnant. Um, and at the time, she had mentioned doing IVF, but to be honest, when I, when I got there to that first appointment, I had said to her, I was like, I don't want to do IVF. Like, it was just not something that I wanted to do, not something that I had thought about really doing. Um, it's expensive, obviously, um, for most people. It just wasn't even something in my frame of thought at that time. So I was like, fine, you know, we'll just do this IUI thing. Um, so it was December, right after, right after my testing was all done, we had planned to do an IUI with the start of my next period. And it was December 10th. And at that time I had started testing my ovulation with the ovulation test strips. Um, so I was testing and I got a positive LH on the test strip. It was December 10th. I remember specifically, and I was like, okay, well, I have a positive ovulation test. Let's, let's see if we can make a baby. So, um, two weeks later, it was actually Christmas day. Um, I took a test and it was positive and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this is this is real. This is happening. Um, you know, I thought, wow. I guess you know this those tests that I had done, the HSG and the saline sonogram, like maybe cleared everything out and kind of let things flow the way they should. Um, so yeah, I was pregnant um, on Christmas of 2018. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So we had Christmas Day. It was really great. Um, I called my doctor the next day. Um, they brought me in for the blood test to confirm um, and I was indeed pregnant and um, you know when you're at a reproductive endocrinologist they monitor you a lot closer than what you normally would at a regular OB um, and I'm older too so they kind of wanted to keep an eye on things. Um, so had my positive pregnancy test on the 25th. On the 27th, um, my HCG was 176 and my progesterone was 22 and they they said 22 was fine. Um, And then two days later, I went back and my HCG rose up to 885. My progesterone was still 22. So they were really happy with those um, numbers. And then on the 31st, my HCG went up to 2,287, which was great, but my progesterone had dipped down to 16. Um, So they were like, you know, this is okay. It can kind of fluctuate as we go. You're still early, so let's just check it again. So I went back. um, Once the HCG goes above 2,000, then they can schedule you for your first ultrasound. So they said that they can usually see at least a sac um, after your HCG goes up to 2,000. So on January 2nd of 2019, we went in for the ultrasound, um, and there was a little sack. There was something happening. My, they weren't going to check my HCG anymore because they knew it was rising appropriately, um, and they checked my progesterone that day, and it was 21. So it had gone back up again, and they were, they were happy with that. So they felt that they didn't have to recheck my labs anymore. So then we just... Um, went back a week later, and um, had my second ultrasound, and I was about six weeks at that time, and that was on January 9th, and uh, there, was, there was a baby, and there was a flicker of a heartbeat, um, and it was, really, it was really amazing, because we had gone through all this testing, and we thought we were gonna have to do IUI, and we wound up getting pregnant on our own. It was great, um, and then the next day, I went home sick from work because I started to get uh, really, really sick. I was morning sickness, nausea. Um, I didn't have that with my son. I had no morning sickness with him whatsoever. I was really tired with him, but this was something that I hadn't experienced before, and it just felt like it just felt like I was drunk, <laughs> you know, twenty four seven. I just sick to my stomach and I just went home from work the next day and I hadn't told anybody at work yet um, because I was still really early so I was just like you know just told them oh I'm just not feeling well I just need to go home and they were fine with that Um, and then for some reason I don't know why but when I was seven weeks pregnant um, we didn't schedule a follow-up appointment that week and we just kind of skipped right ahead to eight weeks so during the seven week um, looking back during that week seven the, the symptoms kind of started to subside, but I didn't really think much of it, again, because I, I never had morning sickness with my son, so I thought, oh, you know, maybe it's just kind of come and going, you know, we'll see what happens, um, and it was um, funny because a girl at my work, one of my good friends at work, she had announced that she was pregnant at lunch one day, and we were just kind of sitting around talking and, you know, she said, oh, I'm pregnant. And and then I was like, well, I guess I'll just tell them since she told everybody, I guess I'll just tell them too. And I was like, guess what? I'm pregnant too. And we we're like so excited because two of us were pregnant at the same time. We were both about the same, um, weeks along. She was actually going to be due. I think it was September 17th and I was going to be due September 5th. So we were like, so excited. She also happens to, um, live kind of like right across the street from me. So we're neighbors, we are coworkers. We're really excited about it. Um, so I told everybody at work and it was, you know, everybody was happy. And then um, the next day I went in for my eight week uh, appointment and it was just, you know, like every normal appointment, go in, get vital signs, your, your weight. And um, at my doctor's office, they have a lot of physician assistants that come in and do the ultrasounds. You don't really see the doctor a whole lot. Um, so I'll never forget, you know, it was my eight week appointment and the physician assistant that came in, her name was Beth. And, you know, she comes in, starts the ultrasound like any other time. And then she just, you know, utters the, the words that everybody dreads hearing. Um, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. And it like, didn't register in my mind because I just... I just couldn't understand, like, what do you mean there's no heartbeat? Like, we just saw a heartbeat two weeks ago. Like, everything is fine. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, And then she had somebody else come in just to verify. And then she went on to explain, you know, she's like, this is what um, is called a missed miscarriage. And I had never heard of that term before. You know, I just thought when somebody has a miscarriage that you bleed and you cramp and you lose your baby. And that's what a miscarriage is. Like I had no, and I, I work in healthcare. So I was kind of like, not not in that exact kind of field, but you know, I kind of thought I knew, I knew a lot about different things, but I'd never heard of what a mis- miscarriage was. Um, so I just remember she said, you know, this was, um, this was on a Wednesday. And she says, well, you know, we do our DNCs on Thursday, so we could get you set up to have a DNC tomorrow. And I just, I just needed time to process. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I need to process everything that you're telling me. Like, I just told everybody at work that I was pregnant, and then, you know, now I'm not. And I just need time to think about what to do. So, you know, they give the three options, you know, you can wait and see if it happens naturally. Um, you can take the pills or you can have the DNC. So I was like, you know, I need to go home. We need to talk about this and then I'll let you know. So I went home. I had to call my boss cause I had left work early to go do the ultrasound. So I had to tell her what happened. And, you know, she of course was so sorry. And, you know, I just remember like crying, trying to drive home from the doctor's appointment. Um, and then just kind of got home and was numb. I just felt numb. Um, so we kind of decided, you know, let's, let's wait a week and just see if, um, just see if my body will handle things on its own. And a week went by and nothing happened. So I actually made another appointment to go back to the doctor just to have another ultrasound. Cause then I started Googling, you know, people who have been diagnosed with miscarriages and it was wrong and there really was a heartbeat and all the things that you want to believe, you know? Um, so I went back a week later and had another ultrasound done just to, just to verify and there still was no heartbeat. Um, so I then decided, so my body hadn't recognized the miscarriage yet. So I decided to try the pills. Um, so I picked up the pills and it, this was like on a Friday and I had kind of planned to have like the worst weekend of my life. You know, I went to the store and got pads and different kind of size pads and was just kind of preparing to like bleed all weekend and cramp all weekend. And so I did the pills and uh, nothing happened. Nothing happened Friday night um, Saturday came and nothing happened no cramping, no bleeding nothing so I called the doctor uh, I called the office on Saturday and I got the doctor on call and I was like you know I'm taking these the cytotech pills waiting for this miscarriage and nothing's happening and he's like you know well you know sometimes people need a second dose and you know you know let it you know wait another, couple of days and see um and if nothing happens then just give us a call back so nothing happened that weekend and I was like totally prepared for this horrible weekend that didn't happen you know um so nothing happened and then we decided that we would just move forward with the DNC and then um I I work I had worked at a A hospital, like an office based, um, an office like based out of a hospital. So I had my DNC scheduled for the 14th. And I realized when I had gone for my ultrasound, when they told me there was no heartbeat, um, I didn't get a picture of the baby at that time. And they were usually pretty good about giving you pictures of your ultrasounds every time you went. So I was like, you know, I need a, I need a picture of my baby before, it gets taken out of me. So I actually had scheduled another ultrasound, um, a couple days before my DNC at my work, just so that I could kind of have a picture, um, of my baby before, you know, before my DNC. So I, I had my ultrasound done. And then on Valentine's day of 2019, I had my DNC and my, um, My reproductive endocrinologist actually did the procedure at like a surgery center. Um, And I remember, you know, going in with Sean and sitting, you know, in the holding room. And I was really nervous because I had never been put under before. Um, And they weren't, she, my doctor said that they weren't really going to like intubate me, but they had to protect my airway with this, like it's called an LMA, it's like a laryngeal mask apparatus. So I was really nervous about being put under and having this, like, tube put down my throat. Um, and I just remember, like, the anesthesiologist coming and putting my IV in. And I just was starting to, to lose my mind. I just was crying. I just couldn't believe that this was happening, you know. Um, and I just remember, like, getting wheeled back and they strapped my arms down, on either side, and then they like put the oxygen mask on, and they said take some deep breaths. And I just remember taking one breath and taking the second breath, and on that third breath, I could taste the the medicine that was going to put me under, and that was that. And I just remember waking up in the recovery room, and it was over, like just like that. Um, and I wasn't pregnant anymore, so that was on a Thursday, um, and then I took off Friday. I had off the weekend, and I went back to work the following Monday, and I don't know why I didn't take more time off. Um, I have a pretty good work ethic, so I always feel like I'll disappoint people if I don't go to work, so I just felt like, in a way, like, I should go to work to get my mind off things, but I don't know if it really allowed me to heal from the miscarriage. Um, I didn't really get to talk about it a lot after it happened. Um, Certainly there were some moments that Sean and I had talked about it, but I think we just kind of like picked up the pieces and just moved along, you know. Um, and my doctor said, you know, because I was so early on, usually she did offer um, genetic testing on the baby, but she said because I was so early on that the likelihood of getting any uh, real information from it probably, it probably wouldn't happen, Uh, and a lot of times that the specimens contaminated with maternal DNA, so we really didn't opt, we didn't opt to have the baby tested, and we just figured it was just, A chromosomal abnormality, it was just kind of a one time fluke, you know. I mean, like I said, I'm older, Sean's a bit older, and my doctor said it probably just was a chromosomal abnormality and your body just, you know, just the way that it is, you know. So, we um, I remember sitting in the office when they told me about the miscarriage, and I said to Sean, I immediately said, I don't want to do this again. I don't wanna be pregnant. I don't wanna go through this again. Like I'm done, I can't do it. But deep down, like we really wanted another baby. So we just kind of got back in the swing of things again. So my period came back about five weeks later and we were gonna go back and try an IUI cause we hadn't even done that yet. Um, so I went back in March, this was March of 2019. And I went back and I wound up having a cyst on one of my ovaries. So they said, you know, you can't do an IUI when you have a cyst because then it could rupture and cause all these complications. So we have to put you on the birth control pill for a couple weeks and uh, let your body get rid of the cyst. So I was on the pill for a couple weeks. And then I also wound up having another saline sonogram because they wanted to make sure that there wasn't any scar tissue or any kind of like that there wasn't anything left inside my uterus after the DNC to kind of make sure everything was clear. And everything was. Um, so I went back, I went back in April um, and we did an IUI cycle. So we did letrozole for five days and then an Ovidrel trigger shot. That was April um, and that, that didn't work. So I had a negative test that month. And then we just went right back into it in May and did another IUI cycle, Um, and then my pregnancy test was on June 18th, and that was positive, so I was pregnant again, and, um, you know, again, couldn't believe it, was so nervous, so excited, so nervous, you know, it's like pregnancy after miscarriage is something, it's a total demon of itself, you know, you fight through the demons, and I just was hoping that this one was gonna work, you know? Um, So we just did the pregnancy tests, did the weekly ultrasounds, everything was looking good. Um, And I remember going in for my eight week ultrasound and the same physician assistant came in to do my ultrasound. And it was the same one that did my ultrasound at eight weeks the previous pregnancy when she told me that I had a missed miscarriage. So as soon as I saw her walk in the door, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, like, this is the same one coming in, you know, I hope it's not bad news. And I remember after she left and everything was good, she left and I looked at Sean and he looked at me and we both knew like, wow, this was the same, the same physician assistant that came in to do the ultrasound this time, the last pregnancy. So that was like an emotional roller coaster right there, you know. Um, so everything was looking great. Um, we had ultrasounds done every week, and then about ten weeks, we did the um, panorama test or the Natera test, or you know, all different names for this test. Um, so it's the genetic testing on the baby, um, just to make sure there's no chromosomal abnormalities and um, everything came back fine. And we found out we were having a boy. So we were so excited. Um, And he was perfectly genetically normal, healthy, good. Um, And then 11 weeks, we got um, discharged from the reproductive endocrinologist. They only follow patients up through 11 weeks. So then we had to go back to my... OBGYN. Um, so we saw her. Let me see here. So my clinic. I went to the clinic when I was eleven weeks, and then about um, twelve weeks, we went in for um, an ultrasound with the OB, and everything was looking good. And then um, we had to go for the NIPT test. The uh, non the nuchal translucency test at about uh 13 weeks and uh so we did that and actually the girls sean's girls came with us and my i think our son came with us too i can't remember i think it was just the girls the girls came to that appointment um at 13 weeks at the mfm department um and we got to see him moving around and wiggling and arms and legs and toes and hands. And um, one thing that really struck me odd was that they wouldn't let us take any pictures or they wouldn't let us take any video. And to this day, like, I just kick myself in the butt because I'm like, we should be allowed to take pictures and videos of our children. You know, these are the earliest moments of our babies. And for them to say, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's our policy to not let you take video. We'll just send you pictures through email when we're done." So I kind of regret not fighting, or at least not maybe looking into another place to have it done so we were we could take those videos and take those pictures. Because um, we had gotten uh, ultrasound pictures every single week we had been going to the doctor. Um, but anyway, everything was fine. He was fine. Um, and then the first week of September, Sean and I had gone on a cruise. Um, and I was about 15 weeks along. So I'd, you know, gotten to the second trimester. I was like, you know, once you get to the second trimester, you think in your mind, like, everything's fine. You know, we got past, you know, the, the, the three month period where you're not supposed to tell anybody. And we had already told our family um, that we were expecting. So we went on this cruise and, we got, I got clearance from my, from my OBGYN to go. Um, and she said, you know, it's it's safe. You can swim. You can, you know, just don't do hot tubs and you can go swimming in the ocean and swimming in the pool and all this kind of stuff. So we were okay with, with going on this cruise. And um, we got back. So we were on the cruise for a week and we got back and it was that following, we got back on Sunday and I had off Monday for another appointment. So I was 15 weeks and six days and Sean had to go back to work. So, um, and I had our son home at the time. So just the two of us. So my son and, and myself went to my doctor's appointment and, um, you know, just like normal, like everything's good. Everything's fine. So we're just going for a routine ultrasound. And um, I go to lay down and the OB puts the Ultrasound on my belly, and she's like fiddling around, fiddling fiddling around, and she's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not hearing a heartbeat. And she's like, but I'm not an ultrasound tech, so um, let me let me send you down to ultrasound, um, and have them have them take a look. And like, I think I was just in shock. Like, I th- I think I just had no emotion whatsoever. Um, again, I think I was just in shock because I just couldn't believe like, like how, like how, like we were in the second trimester, like he was fine. He was a genetically normal boy. Like I, it just, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me. I just, it just was crazy. And this was like the first appointment that Sean wasn't with me. So I was like in an ultrasound room with my then four-year-old son who doesn't really know anything. Um, and so I went to down to MFM and had another ultrasound done. And they confirmed that, that he had no heartbeat. And then the doctor came in and said that he probably passed away um, at about 15 weeks. So probably like right before we went on the cruise or like that, like the beginning of the cruise. And of course, like, then the guilt sets in, like, you know, did I walk too much? Did I swim too long? Like maybe there was an infection or something, or, you know, maybe the, the, the ocean was dirty or like, you know, uh, all those things in your mind, like totally blaming yourself for what had happened. Um, so you know, I'm texting my mom, I'm texting Sean, and I'm like, you know, there's no heartbeat. I just can't believe it. Like, again, I just, I don't think I really had a lot of emotion because I just, I just couldn't begin to start to process what was happening again. Um, so we, uh, this was on a Monday, and then they set us up for a DNC on Friday. And so I had a whole week to be at home. And think about things and I you know obviously couldn't go to work so um, at that time ironically um, two other women at my work were pregnant so there was four of us pregnant at work at the same time and my friend who was pregnant in the beginning back in January she was actually going to have her baby um, when we were both pregnant back in January So she was going to have her baby on September 13th, which was the same day as my DNC. So it was really emotional because I was like, you know, she's going to have her baby the same day that they're taking mine away, you know, and I should have already been pregnant with the previous pregnancy and should be having a baby at the same time. And, and now I'm pregnant again. And now they're taking this one away too. Um, and he was normal, and he was healthy, and it just didn't make sense. It just nothing, none of it made sense, um, so I remember that week that I had off, and I was trying to process everything, so uh, you know, I made a call to a local funeral home, and I was like, you know, I'm 15 weeks pregnant, but uh, I need a DNC. Do you guys offer cremation? Um, so they, they did, and we had gone and met with the funeral director, and got things set up to have him cremated after the DNC, Um, and she was so nice, um, just really, really sweet and empathetic, Um, and I remember leaving there, and the last thing I, I, I remember asking, and she's like, do you have any other questions, and I was like, yeah, I was like, how much does this cost, and she's like, it's no charge, so they didn't charge to cremate our baby, which was so nice and so thoughtful, because Who really wants to think about the price of that when you're going through such an emotional thing? Um, And then I remember also going to get my pre-op, you know, pre-op labs done because this, this DNC was going to be done in the hospital and not like just a regular surgery center. I think because I was so far along and I was under, now I was under um, the OBGYN um, office and not. the the reproductive endocrinologist anymore. So I remember going to the lab and getting like my pre-op blood work done. And, you know, they ask you like, you know, what procedure are you having? And, you know, you have to write DNC and it just like stirred up so many emotions. And I remember the phlebotomist coming in to draw my blood and I just was bawling my eyes out. Like, she didn't know me, you know, and I'm sitting there crying and I just remember saying, like, I'm so sorry. I just I just don't want to be here. I'm just not supposed to be here. Like, I wasn't supposed to be there, getting my blood drawn, preparing to have my baby taken away from me. So that was really emotional, just getting blood work drawn. Um, and then so we went in on Friday. And... Um, again, you know, I had, I asked the doctor, I said, you know, could you please just do another ultrasound? Cause at that time, Sean had not seen the baby. Um, Cause he wasn't at that appointment with me um, on that Monday. So they had like one of the residents come in and do another ultrasound and print out some more pictures. And, you know, there, there was not a heartbeat. Um, so, you know, we just, had the procedure done, and I remember getting wheeled back and just crying the whole way back, you know, thinking, like, this is it, like, they're going to take him away, and and I had taken, taken, like, pregnancy bump pictures that week, because I hadn't really been doing that with this pregnancy, um, so I have a couple of, like, bump pictures from that week, and, um, you know, so just had the, had the DNC done, and that was on a Friday. And um, I went back to work that following Monday. And I don't know why, like, again, like, I don't know if it was just like, trying to like, keep my mind off of things and just jump back into work. But I just remember going back to work on Monday. And one of the girls came into my office and was like, can I just give you a hug? And I just remember, like, just breaking down, like, i i It clearly was too soon to return to work um because I walked into work and saw the two pregnant women that were still pregnant, and I wasn't pregnant you know and um so I wound up working like Monday and Tuesday, and then I wound up taking the rest of the week off and you know I thought about taking the leave of absence from work and you know i just I just took the week off and came back and just was trying to process everything, you know. Um, so we wound up, again, getting more testing done. Um, you know, they they did test the baby, and he was genetically normal. Um, so we had no answers, you know. And I, I got a bunch of blood work done, um, like the clotting factors and all that kind of stuff, because we thought maybe I had like a clotting disorder that was causing the miscarriages. Um, had all this blood work done, everything came back normal. And we just, we're just left with no answers, you know, like, why, why couldn't my body carry this perfectly normal baby? It just, it made no sense. You know, it's like you go through all this testing and you kind of hope that something's wrong because at least you can fix it or at least try and fix it. But when you don't have any answers for why it happened, you just are left to just try again, you know, and it's like, there's really nothing else, there's really nothing else to do, you know, so, you know, we, uh, I got my period again five weeks later, and we just kept trying, you know, um, and we wanted to try a couple more IUIs again, so we did another IUI in January of this year and February of this year, and both were not successful. Um, So we circled back with the reproductive endocrinologist, um, my doctor again, and we decided to take the steps to do IVF because she said this was gonna be the quickest way to get pregnant rather than wasting all this time and then I think back to like when my, when my OB in the very beginning was like, oh, you should just do IVF. And I was thinking like, yeah, I guess he was right. You know, I should have just done IVF because we've wasted all this time, not really wasted, but in a way I feel like it was wasted time trying to do these IUIs, trying to get pregnant, you know, and then having two miscarriages along the way, you know, and I don't know, it's just crazy, but I have, um, We had had our son cremated and um, I had a couple pictures from our first pregnancy or the first miscarriage, um, like a couple pictures cremated with him just to kind of symbolize both of them together because there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough of the first pregnancy to even consider having anything cremated. So we wanted to kind of symbolize both of them being cremated together. So... um, That was a really emotional day because Sean and I were, we went to the funeral home and they had, um, they had him like, I guess he was in a bag, but he was wrapped in a blanket and, you know, because he was like taken out in pieces, um, they weren't able to get like handprints or footprints or anything and they, they didn't allow us to see him because he was just kind of taken out, you know, in parts. To be honest, so I know some people can miscarry at home and miscarry a, a perfectly intact baby, but when you have a DNC, um, it's just not possible. And they didn't even give me an option, my doctor didn't even give me an option to try and deliver on my own. Um, and I don't know why, but that was the DNC was the option, so um, so yeah, so now we are. Now this is May. Um, I was supposed to start the process of IVF in March, but everything got put on hold um, for the last two months because of coronavirus. So we actually just had a couple of uh, telehealth visits at my clinic um, just to start the process of IVF. Um, And we're still trying on our own, so I mean, hoping and praying for a miracle cuz i'm actually expecting my period next week and i said, you know, i don't i don't i don't believe in much but you know, if i would believe in miracles, if i were to be pregnant next month or next week like right before we have to start ivf, i said that would be a true miracle if uh, i were to get pregnant on if we were to get pregnant on our own again before having to spend all this money into ivf but we'll see. So I think that's, that's my story.
0: Thank you so much for jumping on today and sharing. I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be?
1: Uh, For me, uh, the advice would be to take as much time as you need to grieve. Um, I think everybody grieves in their own way. Um, And like I said, I think for me, like I tried to jump back into work too quickly, and I didn't really allow myself to, to heal. Um, And even though it's been, you know, over a year since my first miscarriage, and it's been now seven months since the second one, I mean, I think about it every day. Mm -hmm. And um, you always, you kind of mourn the life that you thought you were going to have. So the sadness doesn't 100% go away, but I think you have to allow enough time to grieve and yeah give yourself some grace and just allow your time allow yourself to cry and scream and sleep and cry some more you know because I think that's that's how you're gonna get through it
0: absolutely now if somebody wants to reach out to you where could they do so
1: um instagram okay yeah
0: Okay. And I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much, Megan. We really appreciate it. And good luck with your RDF. Hopefully
1: you're pregnant before that though. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I'll keep you posted for sure.
0: Definitely. Please do. All right. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Take care.